Insurance, paid vacation, taxes. Having a full-time secretary means you have a lot of things to deal with, besides having an employee. Sick leave, lunch breaks, holidays. And those challenges can change from day to day. Training time, mistakes, oh, family emergencies. A good secretary can be hard to find. What I need is someone who's reliable, efficient, and who can get it done yesterday. <laughs> what I need is a secretary 24-7. What if you could have a secretary on call 24 hours a day, seven days a week? What if you could dictate letters with a phone call, have them transcribed and back to you within 24 hours? Add to that scanning, word processing, email management, and a whole lot more. Your 24-hour secretary does exist at www.the24hoursecretary.com. If you're an entrepreneur, a small business professional, a corporation, or in the legal or medical fields, the 24-Hour Secretary is your virtual office manager. www.the24hoursecretary.com Hear that? You just gotta love that sound. Really, it's one of this country's great treasures. The unmistakable sound of a nice California Chardonnay. There's nothing like it. Well, except of course for the sound of nails pounding lumber, building new homes across America, or states sizzling on the grill. In fact, 40% of American products are shipped by freight railroads, from computers to produce. We even carry trucks. Really, chances are the things you'll use tomorrow are taking the train today. 70% of new American cars, 40% of the grain harvest. More Americans depend on us than ever. Freight railroads contribute more than $31 billion a year to the U.S. economy. And since one freight train carries a load of up to 500 trucks, that means less fuel, less traffic. A better environment, a better tomorrow. Tomorrow, arriving by train. Sponsored by North America's Freight Railroads. You're listening to World Talk Radio, where the world comes to talk. Interested in advertising on any of our shows? Please click the Advertise link on the homepage or send an email to ads at worldtalkradio.com. Or you can click on the Sponsor This Show link on any of the show pages. Welcome back to Civil War Talk Radio. I'm Jerry Prokopovich. Talking today with David Long of East Carolina University from the battlefield at Gettysburg, Pennsylvania, where Dr. Long and I are attending the Lincoln Forum in 2005. We were talking about the history of the Lincoln Forum and its origins in another important Lincoln organization, the Abraham Lincoln Association, founded in 1909, originally a celebratory group that had annual dinners, one of the highlights of which was when those who had known Abraham Lincoln, who had shaken his hand, would be asked to stand. Uh, those numbers grew smaller and smaller after 1909, of course. By the mid-20th century, the group had also undertaken various uh, scholarly projects, most notably the publication of the collected works of Abraham Lincoln under the editorship of Roy Basler. Anyone who does anything with Lincoln studies has used Basler uh, a thousand times. Mm-hmm. 
and the association has continued that tradition uh, near the end of the 20th century, being uh, orig an original sponsor of the publication of the collect of the, the legal works, the Abraham Lincoln legal papers. Uh, the association continues to be involved in various projects, but it did encounter some rough weather in the mid-1990s when its longtime president, Frank Williams, uh, was, as, as David was just describing for us, uh, suddenly uh, not re-elected uh, one year after sort of pro forma re-election year after year. Suddenly it was decided by others in the institution that he would not be the uh, essentially permanent president. Mm -hmm. And there was a great deal of bad feeling about the way that transpired. I, by coincidence, for, for some reason, did not attend the Lincoln Association meeting that year. I was speaking yeah. somewhere else. I and did. <laughs> you were there for the brouhaha. Yeah, yeah. How did it go down? It was not a happy time. Uh, Frank did his duties uh, with, uh, you know, uh, his chin was up, and he performed everything that... Um, it w was expected of him. All, no, no, all, just again all, to clarify, this the 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 events transpired at the afternoon meeting, and then in the right. evening there's a banquet over which he presides. Right, and so you know, the people there are people present, such as the governor of Illinois and all of the uh, many of the Illinois dignitaries. It is held in Springfield, the state capital, plus. Uh, a lot of the people, the families uh, that had traditionally been um, the, the Springfield gang, that <laughs> sometimes been referred to, the traditional families who were the descendants of people who had known and been neighbors and, of, of, of Lincoln. And um, uh, one of the things within the association, I think, that had always been a, a little bit of a problem was the sense that some people wanted Lincoln simply to be a Springfield phenomenon, and they didn't really want that to um, become. I mean, Lincoln was president of, of, of the United States. Frank Williams is from Rhode Island, where he's the Chief Justice of the you know, uh, Rhode Island Supreme Court. Harold Holzer, the Metropolitan Museum of Art. And 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 there had there had perhaps always been a, a little bit of tension between uh, the Springfield group and those who were who did not uh, the outsiders or maybe had a larger vision for Lincoln, and that all came to a head uh, at this at this meeting. I mean, I can remember people who said that they. They believed at one point that Frank Williams would be the permanent uh, leader of the Abraham Lincoln Association for as long as he was alive and wanted to do it because he was uh, he was so important he was so uh, personable he was so enthusiastic he was he, he really became a lightning rod around which the um, people were able to coalesce and and uh, work together but at some point, after nine years or so, that um, that began to break down, and it led to this this confrontation that um, would result in uh, Harold and Frank uh, resigning uh, their leadership roles in the association, and for um, a period of time, not not really doing anything. Well. I was new, I was fairly new to the field at that time, and I had gotten to know both Frank and Harold well. I had stayed at Frank's home uh, 
one occasion, and uh, uh, he had made all of his facilities and library available to me when I was working on my doctoral dissertation, and and I um, I was among those who wrote letters to the new leadership of the ALA, uh, protesting what had taken place and uh, tendering our resignations from the organization. There were a number of other scholars who did that as well, well well-known scholars in the Lincoln field. And um, I I guess there was six months to a year, perhaps, that passed during which um, I maintained contact with Frank and Harold and and actually sort of performed a, a... we saw it as a wedding between the Lincoln community and the Civil War community, between which there had not been a lot of um, uh, cooperation in the past. The Civil War Education Association, uh, an organization based in Winchester, Virginia, uh, put on a number of Lincoln events around that time, and um, it was actually at a... Uh, Palm Beach, West Palm Beach Symposium that the uh, director of the Civil War Education Association had invited Frank and Harold to be uh, in the program that, that went on there, and I asked if we could, the four of us, have a meeting and talk about a future of a new organization with uh, for the, the Lincoln community that would, that would provide a um, a vehicle for for people who had been unhappy with the outcome of the Springfield uh, proceedings, and and we began talking about creating a Lincoln Forum that would do more than just um, uh, sponsor the, uh, the the collected works and the Lincoln Legal papers, such as the ALA had done. Would actually get into education and get into um, other things that hadn't. You know, the ALA was for the most part an annual meeting and then an ongoing permanent staff that that worked on the particular project that was being sponsored at that time. And it was uh, it was looking increasingly, though, like with the completion of the Lincoln Legal Papers, there wasn't going to really be the uh, continuing justification for that organization uh, to go on. It looked like the Lincoln uh, um, works, if you will, the original works of Lincoln as a lawyer and as a politician had pretty much been exhausted once they had found all of the legal documents involving Lincoln and what you know what would be the justification at that point for continuing the organization on. Well, there needed to be something that would continue in existence that would keep the Lincoln theme alive, and we saw that as being what the forum might do. So the first Lincoln uh, forum symposium, Gettysburg seemed, I mean, what what more appropriate place? Uh, Lincoln's greatest speech, you know, came at the dedication uh, of the cemetery in Gettysburg. We would we would meet in Gettysburg. Gabor Borat and his uh, Civil War Institute um, would would uh, provide uh, uh, help provide a basis for having such a meeting. And Gabor has been involved with the forum since the beginning, and they were able to bring a number of scholars in for that first meeting. 
and it was such a good event in, uh, I believe it was 1995, it was the first time we did it, that we decided to make that an annual meeting. And for the next several years, uh, the Civil War Education Association was involved in underwriting that and getting the Lincoln Forum on its feet until it was uh, going so well that it was able to take, take it on as its own, to become a permanent and ongoing organization that now doesn't just hold this meeting annually, but also sponsors a number of different events around the country at various times, is, is, is very much involved in the Abraham Lincoln Bicentennial Commission uh, activity uh, coming up to the Bicentennial of Lincoln's birth and all of the things that will be part of that. So the Lincoln Forum has, has grown into, uh, I think, has clearly surpassed uh, all other existing organizations as the primary um, organization in the world that provides ongoing sponsorship of, of events and scholarship and education. It's published, I think, now three books of papers that have been presented at the Lincoln Forum Symposia. Um, has a board of advisors that include almost all of the top scholars and many of the top collectors uh, in, in the field of Lincolniana. And it's um, it's become quite a successful concern. I think there's no question it really has, and, and you deserve credit for having contributed to the the founding of that. And and it is a, a successful organization. It, its biggest problem these days seems to be whether to continue growing and outgrow its current home right. on the Gettysburg battlefield. Yeah. At the there's nothing and, here really large enough to handle what it's. It, it but could the get forum bigger. is capable of, right. of bringing in, um, uh, you know, they've, they've re just about reached the maximum of, of people that they can have for an event here. In terms of facilities. Right. On the, on the other hand, I do want to say that the, the Abraham Lincoln Association has continued uh, yes, its it own has. success and indeed has is embarked on a new edition of the papers right. of Abraham Lincoln. Right. Which will update the work Bassler did, will add the hundreds if not thousands of new documents that have been discovered in the National Archives, the Library of Congress, and other places. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's, there's definitely room for a new edition of Basler, um, and the, the ALA is, is engaged uh, in supporting that effort. Well, I didn't, I didn't mean to imply the ALA had outlets its usefulness. By no means. It has, I, I guess, to an extent reinvented itself in a way that has been, uh, that has been meaningful and has uh, allowed it to prosper as well. And, uh, I think the, the, the irony and a pleasant one is that from this, the discord uh, in the mid-90s, we now have two healthy Lincoln organizations, yes. right. each doing different things and supporting different kinds of initiatives, and hopefully each uh, you know, continuing to be successful. Right, and, and, I, and I think a lot of the, uh, a, a lot of the uh, well, I, I suppose that you can never completely put behind those, those those feelings that come from that kind of a, of a thing, but they have done uh, well at glossing them over um, for the most part and going on and uh, 
coexisting. They have. I think they, they both have succeeded in doing that. Well, the music, as well as the uh, hotel staff, tell us it's time to go. <laughs> and uh, it, it's been good talking to you. Uh, we didn't get to the 1864 election, but guess our listeners will want to read The Jewel of Liberty, your book, if they haven't done so already, and learn about that important election. Thank, Thank you for you. listening today. Thank you for joining us, David. Uh, been a pleasure. It's a beautiful day here at Gettysburg. Everyone come and visit. And we'll talk to you next time on Civil War Talk Radio. And when those batteries floated again, the balls fell around as thick as rain.